of Bobcast with you so is Bob live in the lounge staring at the Ouija board you know I went to Temple University I had a job in fact I had two jobs while I attended Temple University getting a degree in education I never was part of a fraternity or any type of organization that felt like a party not until much Later in life, when I moved out of my parents for a second time and answered a call on Craigslist, and good old Craig told me about tonight's guest. And I moved in there, and we lived there for about two, three years, maybe. And I did have that fraternity experience. I had that large party happening every weekend, that unpredictability of someone going through the drywall. You never know what's coming. And we both had a mutual interest and similar things. And one of the things we loved very much was the HBO classic, The Sopranos. He became my friend. He was my landlord, but then later I was just like, how, how can I not befriend this guy, you know? He's got all the qualities of a good human being. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Bobcast Lounge this evening, Mr. Tony Regal. <laughs> It's so funny to hear you call me a landlord. I just, I still can't get over that. You were, you were not. I never forget. Okay, so like as soon as I moved in, you had two roommates, right? Mm -hmm. But you had just done laundry and there's all black socks. You two only wear black socks. Am I correct? That's correct. So I only wear black socks. I can't, I have fear of white socks. I will never wear white socks. You will never catch me. Catch you know what amazes me most, most about this is uh, until you're actually sorting your laundry, you never realize how many different types of black socks there are. So many different black like, socks. Like I'll literally go through and not be able to find a single match, yet have over 20 different sets of socks. It's it's insane and it drives it drives my wife crazy. And speaking of my oh, wife, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny Check because because uh, not only did Craigslist see Craigslist to me brought me a lot of a lot of great things uh, one obviously was you and Teresa and uh, looking back on that I remember there was another couple that uh, wanted to rent the, uh, the 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 masterful six two four Erland Road. Oh my God! What a great, great experience it was living at this house. So I lived basically in what? What did uh, you recently when you sold this house to? Uh, sadly, it's gone now into the legends. Mm -hmm. When you sold the house, what was it called? The in-law suite. The in-law suite. Ah, yes. dude. The, can you imagine though if that was your in-laws living in there? You know, or any other person other than like somebody that you could, you know, just have fun with no and and the purpose that it served at least back in those years was just perfect i mean i had mm -hmm. you know the college roommates living with me on my side uh and then i had you know you and Teresa. were actually you know what there was another guy named batani that i 
I don't know for sure if he was uh, legally supposed to be here or not. I remember but getting mail from Batami. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember you when you revealed it to me. You're like, there was another one before you, Bob. <laughs> His name was Batami. And like, I think I had just watched it, About Schmidt. Did you ever see About Schmidt? No, but just... Was it Jack Nicholson? you never seen that movie, dude? you got to check that movie out, dude. But just real quick about Batami. This guy would buy sacks of just uncooked rice. I'm talking like like a a potato sack of rice and somehow just cook it all day. Just just cooking rice. Uh, Over there, and so you smell rice like (laughs) all day long? This, you know, the, the smells are a whole other story altogether. But, uh, yeah, so he was my first kind of foray into, you know, renting out to a stranger. But, you know, uh, when you and Teresa came, it kind of just, everything just came together. Yeah, so basically I got engaged in the in-law suite, which is pretty cool. So, like, uh, it was our 30th birthday. Teresa's birthday is a day apart. For me, and I surprised her for our, our 30th birthday party. It wasn't the 30th birthday party. It was the engagement party. Mm-hmm. And I did it in the in-law suite, right there at the top of the stairs, the vestibule room, you know, if you would. So what did you do? Did you just... Uh... We were. I was in my suit. She was in her dress. The limo showed up, and I was like, hey, this isn't a birthday party. And she's like, what is this? I was like, this is an engagement party. Got down on the knees, boom. Wow. So it was just you two in the room? Mm-hmm. I wonder. <laughs> and Peanut and Leo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I uh, wonder what I was doing across across the hall. Um, I I think I um. It's a good chance I was masturbating. I mean, hey, it could have been you know a really good chance, but uh, yeah, I walked in on you a few times. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it, you know. We all have to do it. Yeah. For the people who don't do it, yeah, great. You've got control, but hey, Bob, I got news for you. There's no such thing, you know. I've gone long periods of times. So I've tried it because I've heard it on podcasts like everybody else. And yes, there is some element of control. But I mean, when push comes to the shove, it's a natural human reaction. You, really? And people don't want to talk about it because we're, we're so, I don't know. How, how long? Like, what's the longest you've gone? One time, two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks? Yeah. So, I, the one thing I hear is like... When my wife was uh, pregnant. Oh, Okay. That's so when I, I first learned about it. I was like, oh, I could try this. But it wasn't pleasant, to be honest. Why? Mm, like I mean, like, after two weeks, you just, uh, yeah, then, like, pent-up aggressions, anger, and, you know, stupid stuff that affects your day. Uh, there's a reason why it it happens the way it does, you know? I mean, it's just part well, of our, you know... It's, it's unnatural. Honestly, it is. But I guess, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't imagine two weeks but the one thing i wanted to ask is so i've never had a wet dream ever no i have ever and i hear that uh if you don't you know if you if you hold out Mm -hmm. that starts to happen did that start to happen um once when i was a kid but but not during that period not during that period not with you (laughs) um did did you ever see uh What's that movie with uh, the dude from Stifler from uh, not old school? Uh, the one Road Trip. Do you ever see Road Trip? Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> when the grand, when they get to that, they're they're somehow at that grandfather's house, and he just took a Viagra and oh, he's yeah. just walking around bumping yeah. into things. 
Like after three days, that would be me. And like, then the one guy's talking about how smoking weed like makes him feel normal. Yeah. 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 That's such a great movie. I always thought that like Road Trip Two was an inevitable because road trips happen all the time, but yeah. they never did it. And yeah. uh, you know, it was what I, I remember, Tom Green was great in that. Tom Green was like basically the narrator. Was that like his last? He still like the other day he went live on Instagram. And I swear I was like one of fifty watching Tom Green and his dad. Remember you used to torture his dad? Yeah. Uh, go fishing on a boat. And uh, it was very entertaining. I, I, when he first came out, I was very entertained. I, yeah, I, I was like, was I that, couldn't believe. What was that song that he did? Uh, the Bum Bum song. Did oh, you ever yeah. hear that? God, yeah. Dude, of course. that was like a hit when we were in high school. Freddie like, Got Fingered. See, I've never movie. seen that. Oh, I saw it in the movie theater. I was, I, I didn't know what to think of it. Is that know? the one where he fingers a cow or something like There's that? There's so much vulgarity in it, yeah. Because that might have been the thing that kind of, like he did that movie and he never heard from him again. Never did, no. I think he uh, started drinking. He looks like he drinks all, mm. maybe, and that's the downfall. But yeah, we definitely had a lot of good times at the sixty-two Erlen. Uh, what do you listen? I, if you could, if you could put just, just give, give, give two of your best memories of that place I, I, during our time. Like, what, what would you, what memory would sticks out to you the most? <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I'll tell you. Um, I never forget this one time. It was like, see, every weekend, like you know, we, I'd be, in, I was in a band. You would all your buddies going down Maniunk, you know, and just, the energy was fierce, dude. Two thousand nine. I mean, like if you think about it, that's ten years ago, right? We There's were just such a different energy, like now. Yeah. But like, but like back then, it still was like you know, hey, we still have a chance at humanity before technology zaps our brains, mm-hmm. and you listen to podcasts and you do things all electronically. But um, I never forget the night that we, like, you know, you had gone out, done your thing. I had gone out, done my thing. I was sitting inside with the doctor. Remember I had the rainbow carpet? Yeah, dude. Right? Of course. Um, And uh, we were about to do our thing. And, like, uh, I think this is when we got home. This is when we got home. After the bars. Like, we're chilling there. And we're about to, like, smoke. And then all of a sudden, like, you come in through the back door. And you never come in through the back door, right? You Mm -hmm. would always come in through your door, you know? Coming in through the adjoining hallway. And you slammed open the door, and I had never seen you this drunk before. Drunk or yeah, angry? drunk, drunk. Okay. I don't even know. I will find out here on the Bobcast. But you slammed open my door, which wasn't locked. You didn't break anything. For so the wait, I went listeners. into your apartment. You, no, you, you didn't. Yes, you you came into my apartment. Wack and I were sitting there, right? Yeah. You looked at us. You did not blink. You did not move. You just stared at me for like you know three seconds mm-hmm. then your right hand extends and you grab the febreze which is behind my <laughs> brand new tv and you squirted it right in your mouth and you shut the door and i looked at ryan and i was like oh my god dude dude is he gonna be okay and like ryan was like, i don't know man and then like i i guess you couldn't google on phones then maybe i, I don't know but so I, I was concerned. So I didn't say a word. Just came into you your house. You don't remember this, do you? No, not really. Oh, no. my God. Uh, so I, I was so concerned because I, I... And then you went in your house, and I could tell maybe it was a bad night. So you might have been angry at the same time. So you were just getting out your aggressions. But that happens, you know? That's yeah. why. That's why I always enjoyed being your tenant is because you're very similar in me. Is there, Like, we both... We both have, like, you know... Uh, anxieties we mm-hmm. both have you know aggressions mm-hmm. and stuff and we try to be good people we try to be good good dads which really ties everything in to tonight's topic here on the bombcast i invited tony regal down he to the lounge 
okay, to talk nothing but the 20th anniversary of The Sopranos. 20 years. Jesus Christ. I know. 20 years. I wonder how many times Jesus Christ is referenced in The Sopranos. <laughs> if there's a YouTube video for that. Let me ask you a question. There probably is, Bobby. There's there's stuff for everything, dude. I mean, okay, so let me just give a preface to the show, okay? If you've, you've been sitting on the couch thinking, oh, I don't know what to watch. Game of Thrones is over. My life is incomplete. I need something new. I want you to, to get HBO get HBO Max, whatever. Just watch The Sopranos if you've never seen it. Even if you don't like crime dramas, you don't like, it's not even about the monster. It's about the psychosis, the, 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 the feeling of being a good person versus a bad person. That's what I identified with the most in the show. The character of Tony Soprano. I mean, I call you the skip when I, I mean, in my phone, your name is the skip. And it's, and it's funny, like, you're you're looking at a, a hardcore sociopathic criminal who also needs to balance a normal mm-hmm. everyday family life yeah and the struggle between the two is really what makes it great like makes how it do great you, how do you reconcile that and uh you know in addition to the extremely extremely keep good, talking to good writing uh, you also have acting. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep talking there. Skip. Let's get Skip the mic right there. Everybody come on up here and French kiss this bitch. Right there? Yeah, right, right. up on there. All right. Push your seat in. There you go, right there. That's where you want to be. <laughs> I got out of my seat, ladies and gentlemen, because that's how much this Skip needs to me. <laughs> but in addition to the writing, the act, like, think, think about the acting in that show exactly Edie Falco everything every piece even the the writers everybody Terrence Winter these people who created these episodes they crafted something which was so unique that I had never seen before and it was telling you know a story of a family but it was telling it in a fashion I had never seen before where there was micro scenes and Mm -hmm. for fans of The Sopranos you know exactly what I'm talking about these little scenes that led to nothing Mm -hmm. but just revealed so much of what was really you know, at stake in their universe or their world, reflecting our world back at them. Now, <clears throat> did you watch the show live from the beginning? Like, were you there since season one? Very interesting story. No. So in season one, the pilot came out, right? 99 or whatever. And then I, I had heard about season one, but at the time, I think, you know, I just got out of high school. I was doing Monco, I think. And I wasn't really all together with it, but it was season two where I came back in and watched and then the weird thing was i didn't watch season one for maybe a year or two after just diving into season two so my start was that so it wasn't until season three that i got into it the uh library across the street had the dvds and a buddy of mine was telling me about the show and uh we spent one summer just been this is pre-netflix binging and what you had to do was go to the, you know, either a blockbuster, but, you know, we didn't have money back then, but uh, the library and just get these CDs. And uh, we would just go to Wendy's, get like 30 orders of chicken nuggets and a few bacon cheese. And we would just watch the show over and over. And it just unbe- unbelievable, unbelievable acting, just atmosphere, everything about it. The fact that it was so close to us in proximity also had something to do with the allure. To the Sopranos for me, just the fact that Jersey was right over there. My my family had gone to the Jersey Shore all the time. S- speaking of that, would 
there is a Sopranos tour oh, that yeah, you can do. Yeah. I, well, should we go? Should we have? A, I was going to say we should, should do we a just uh, have Uber pick us up and should, take us right there. Right should we now? do a follow up? We'll, uh, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Do it live. Twenty fifth anniversary. Let's we'll make it live. into a big trip. Get but, a bus. But you know, twenty years. I've always about, wanted to do that. Twenty what? years. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's going to get even worse. Skip. It's going to be like thirty years. I looked up films today. They were celebrating uh, their twentieth as well as their thirtieth, fortieth, fiftieth, sixtieth, seventieth, eightieth. The Wizard of Oz is going to be 80 years old in August the 25th, I believe. Wow. But yeah, man, but The Sopranos never seen anything like that, man. Never, man. These characters just like came off the screen, especially to me, James Gandolfini. I'd never seen a leading man like that. Flawed. You know what I mean? Like, Did you ever see him in anything else? I did. Yeah, True Romance. But like, I didn't realize that it was him. Wait, True Romance with, uh, with uh, Renee Zellweger? No, not Renee Zellweger. It's uh, Patricia Arquette and Christian Slater in True Romance. Because Father, when Father Phil is seen calm, uh, uh, Tony's away, yeah, and, and, they're, and yeah, they're drinking wine and, and watching and, film. Yeah, and Father Phil brings a movie. Yeah, and it's a Renee Zellweger film that Carm, we find out later, hates Renee Zellweger. But wasn't that True Romance? Mm-mm. It was something different. We'll have to find out. Somebody will hit us up here if they know. <laughs> Pop it in the Facebook comments. Let us know, because uh, we don't, and I ain't got no assistant. But uh, here's something interesting, Bob. Uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler is is the same age now as Gandolfini was in season one. In fact, she's slightly older. I love that fact. I love the fact that uh, that's where we are right now. Think about it. Like, I know we're right there. Twenty years? Does it seem like twenty years? Um, no. Is you know, here's the thing, like. To me, there's this like blackout period, like the the 2000s, to 2010. It just seemed to be just like one lump. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, man. It felt like it lasted a really long time, and then after 2010, it just everything sped up. That's because every night was the same, right? Like on the weekends, you drink. I guess. Go out. I, I don't, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe life was just a standstill then. I don't know. Maybe it also has to do with the fact, like in the early thousands, you're still not yet, you know feeble-minded brain like you're you don't have an adult brain yet till you're like 24 25 yeah, yeah. And a, and i can't a, imagine it's always 24 like it's a pinpoint number <laughs> but i mean like some a, people uh, may you know an adult brain would not park their car in the front lawn i think right oh like, yeah that was a great morning <laughs> i mean yeah that would definitely okay so that so the one member of the febreze and then the second you asked for two right so the second one probably would be rambo i'll miss rambo the most oh god i miss that guy so Rambo, yeah, you can introduce your dog. Yeah, uh, he was, listen, I've had a lot of relationships in my life, and, and people, you know, want to diminish the relationship you can have with an animal, but, you know, uh, I got him shortly after I graduated college, and, and uh, it's funny, like, you know, I've, I've moved to a lot of different places, I've been in and out of many different relationships, friends came and went. But at the end of the day, you know, that dog was there. And he was there for a lot of formative years. And, uh, you know, uh, and Bobby got to know him. And, and he was a, he, w- he was, dude, he was a pal. He was a friend. And uh, he unfortunately got sick. And, and uh, his life was cut short. And, you know, having to make that drive and that decision to, uh, you know, put down your best friend, it's, it's not easy. And, uh, in fact... I've always been a dog guy, man. I'm mm-hmm. yet I'm yet to be able to get a new one. Ah, uh, yeah, it sucked, man. 
I was very upset. You remember my dog Mojo too? I had to put Mojo. Him down. Yeah. My, so that was cool that we both had two dogs at that yeah. time. I remember Mojo would be like, oh, "Here comes Rambo." <laughs> but yeah, Rambo was a good dog. He was very lovable. I used to have these campfires outside your house, and uh, he would just always come sit and watch the fire with us. Dude, speaking of the campfire, Steph, uh, Steph told me, la- Steph, my wife told me last night that uh, we forgot to take the camp fire or the the oh, what's you, it called yeah but you know that thing was old the, yeah the, but the body that thing's got you know more wisdom than fucking uh yeah you're right a lot of, uh, lot more, of wood. more wisdom than hash a lot of the brain matter <laughs> you know what i mean you could lose yourself in a fire <laughs> i'm not ready to have a fire yet with a toddler he's still intrigued by fire and how's, dad can i blow out the candle how's your how's your place you're still at the same uh i'm still at the, the same, same old place i'm looking to flip it soon you're gonna sell it mm-hmm when get a new place or buy? Not, I think I just might you know, like leave the country, you know. For real? Or are you just? If I could, I think I would. To be honest, right now, it's if I could, if I could figure a way to take every single person that I love and just bounce, and we could all go live somewhere and have dope lives, See, I'd be out. Because I gotta tell you, Skip, right now, talking about the Sopranos tonight, and like how like you know they showed violence to the world, and how even you know someone you don't think can be capable of it can do it mm-hmm. it's very saying of the times now because the shit that's going on now even with the mass stampedes and stuff like the you know false alarms like it's just gonna be a scary world soon man and it just sucks that it, my son's three listen <clears throat> our show's about the sopranos and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go off into a tangent but i'm looking to my left here and i'm seeing uh a, a make america great again uh sticker or whatever that is oh yeah that's mickey <laughs> that's mickey so mickey uh yeah he likes president trump but i was gonna say uh dude just the stuff that that guy is is up to it it's it's scary and and, and we could do a whole podcast we and could. i could i could inform your your listeners on we could exactly uh you know what he's doing and and why he's bad for us but you know i'll, I'll spare it for the next time and we'll talk about something fun there's so many great uh, great quotes from The Sopranos, you know, so uh, today I went and I picked out some of my favorites, you know, and this guy in the show, he, he meant a lot to me, kind of reminded me of my grandfather in a way, who also was Italian. I'm talking about Corrado Junior <laughs> Soprano. He had so many great one-liners. Here's, here's, here's one of my favorites that I've never seen in print until today, and I hope mm-hmm. I don't mess it up. <clears throat> when I was a little kid, no older than that, I always used to wonder why, uh, who am I, like English man right now? Hold up. <laughs> when I was a little kid No older than that I always used to wonder Why nobody collected prayer cards Like they collected baseball cards Thousands of bucks for Hannes Wagner And jack shit for Jesus <laughs> I remember that really The best is when First of all He has so many good good lines Like good one liners Remember when he was on house arrest And he could only get out when he was going to a funeral or something along those lines, like he could only leave the house yeah. when he was going to like a serious event because he mm-hmm. got the judge to give him a pass. Oh yeah, then he fell. Yeah, he fell, right? Was that the same episode? Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was the same, but so he gets out for a funeral and he keeps going to fu- like he's going to like oh, yeah. ten funerals, and he's in this. Uh, you know, they're at the wake and everybody's somber, crying, and he looks like a pig in shit. And the priest comes over and introduces himself and he looks to the priest and he's eating his plate of food and he just goes, 
chicken's good tonight. Nice and juicy. <laughs> and he's just so ha- he's just so happy. It's best writing on the show because it was like there's you're right there's great moments that were just not full of like you know monologues. You see there's like one liners. You know what I mean like these quips. For, for instance, he's never had the making of a varsity athlete. I mean that. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. You know. Uh, uh, and that kind of led to a little bit of a conflict, believe it or not, between uh, uh, Tony and his uncle. Because when he was starting to get, when he was starting to get uh, Alzheimer's or whatever, his memory loss, uh, he would always bring up the fact that you know, like bad stuff. Remember, Tony's like, yeah. if that's the case, why can't you remember anything nice? Why is it always got to be something bad? Mor- morbid. Yeah. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Uh, He's like, if he was, he was too busy chasing tail to be uh, anything else. He never had the makings of a varsity athlete. He never had the makings. Yeah, when he pins him down. See, that's the thing. Like, you think of this show as a as a hardcore drama, but there's so much comedy to it. And the thing is, like, if we're explaining... You are correct in that. You were texting me about that today, and you know what? I got a chance to think about it. It's a type of comedy that didn't exist yet, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit with the, with the Seinfeld, where it's like in the moment of in the joke and then in the now. You know what I mean? Not like, hey, here's the punchline, but like, hey, ta-da. You, you were going right where I was going because yeah. it's like if you're explaining this mm-hmm. to people who don't know the show or if you're, you know, you know we're going to go through some lines that are some of our p- favorite here, or at least I am. But mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're reading this to somebody who's never seen it, like, uh, you just don't understand. It's like you got to get the context behind mm-hmm. it. Like, for instance, uh, Vito, mm-hmm. right? Vito's on the lamb from uh, uh, the mafia because the they mafia. find out that... One of my favorite episode arcs too by the way Johnny Cakes Johnny God, Cakes I'd do anything for some Johnny Cakes right now and when he goes antiquing and the guy's like oh. you're a natural <laughs> how long did he want to go in like I don't care how tough he was how long do you think he really wanted to go antiquing oh, man. Like, I don't know I mean like, the, the thing was I thought that Vito would get away but I'm sorry keep going so so Vito escapes this life and he's got just you know uh, for instance like Vin remember Vin uh, his arch enemy the uh, Meadow's boyfriend. Oh Meadow's, yeah, who knew Finn? Yeah, what did I say? Vin? I meant Finn. Sorry, Finn. About that. Finny. So, so he's like, Finn hey, Detrillo. Finn Detrillo, my arch enemy. <laughs> so uh, uh, when he came out the porta potty, Finn Finn comes to work, and they find out that he's Meadow's, you know, boyfriend, fiance, whatever. And Finn's just trying to make conversation, and he's he's like, oh yeah, he's like, I'm so tired, and and uh, 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 Vito's like. So take a nap, like, <laughs> yeah. like he's on the yeah. construction site. Yeah. All these, nap. all yeah. these mafia guys are sitting on lawn chairs. I had never seen that before, too. By the way, until the show, what, seen what? Like I, rem- I remember, like the first time I had seen, like you know, what do you call it? The no call, no shows. Uh, no bid, no bid jobs, no yeah, call, no, bid, no yeah. show. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I never had heard about that, but that's when I start reading more about the mafia. It's so. all fixed. Yeah, and that's all fixed. That's that's. I'm digressing from my quote, but. Uh, that's why the mafia originally was into the trash business because you'd have these uh, you'd have these trash companies that would bid on different routes, and then you'd have uh, you know one main faction that would you know get everybody together and decide who gets what, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the history behind you know mafia and trash. And uh, but just quick, let me get back to to Vin or excuse me to Vin to, to uh, Finn to uh, uh, to Vito. Mm-hmm. So Vito, Vito is is on the lamb, as they like to say in The Sopranos, from the mafia because they find out that he's gay, 
which is a big no-no. In fact, uh, what did uh, what did uh, Phil say when he found out? He, uh, excuse my F word here, but he goes, he's a fag. But, uh, uh, you know, when they find out that he's that he's gay, he has to get out of there or they're going to kill him. So he ends up meeting this man and they get into a relationship and the man's trying to get him a job. And he gets a real job in construction and he's putting these fences up. And, you know, this is a guy who's never worked a day in his life. He's never had to do a hard day's work. He's the one that gives advice to other people that says, you know, hey, you're tired take a nap who cares who cares if you're working you know he's playing cards he's drinking he's wearing leather at dance clubs so he's at the job you assume it's probably a few weeks in and uh just takes you through a day of his new life and uh you know the scene goes something like this he's he's at the you know he's at the guy's house putting up a fence and he says to himself 10 30 it's got to be hour and a half lunch halfway fucking point don't look at your watch. Not yet. Savor it. Treat yourself. <clears throat> Flash forward a little bit. 10 to 11. Maybe 5 till. Don't look. Think of those sandwiches Jim made. When you eat your last bite, this day is halfway fucking over. Flash forward a little bit. 11.30. Has to be. Look at the angle of the sun. Maybe even a quarter to 12. Okay. Look. He looks down to look at his watch. It says 9.55. Fuck me! <laughs> Afangu. That was the best. I remember that. Yeah, there's just... There's I remember so thinking that at the time when that episode came out, I think I was working a job where I would also look at the clock that way. So many great lines. Uh, I mean, I guess one of my favorite ones. Okay, so like in, I became a screenplay writer in 2011, and I just kept thinking back to the episodes where Christopher was trying to pursue uh, a career in screenplay mm-hmm. writing. You know, there's so many great episodes, and like, you know, his his... The problem is, is like, you know, his buddies, they don't understand what he's trying to do, write these screenplays and stuff. And Paulie is one of the guys who's in the scene. So it's two characters in the scene. It's Christopher who talks first, followed up by Paulie. Uh, Christopher, frustrated by his lack of progress writing a screenplay, bought a script rogue. <laughs> frustrated by his lack of progress writing a screenplay, bought a script writing program and everything. Paulie, my advice? Put that thing down a while. We'll go get a joints copped. The wheels will come blown out your ass. <laughs> you, you're, go ahead. There's so many great moments. I, I was gonna say you're gonna the the, the end of that, the end part of that's great. Did you do you have it? I don't have it. When he goes, uh, he's 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 like he's depressed, uh, Chrissy, because he's you know. Oh yeah. He wants that life, and he's like he's telling he's telling Paul he goes. I don't know, Paulie, I'm, I'm depressed or something. You know, these, these people in these movies, you know, everybody's got an arc. And, you know, where's my arc? Yeah. And yeah. he goes, uh, you know who had an arc? Noah. And where's he? Yeah. <laughs> Such great programs. I remember, like, uh, they had a close-up of the computer, and, like, it was, like, him trying to write a scene. <laughs> it was, like, nearly impossible. But uh, it led to the great episode with John Favreau, you know, where, like, they ask him for advice on the screen, and he's like, tell that one to call that one a book yak. Yeah. <laughs> You like that scene? I, I that was one of the few. I, I didn't like. I just remember like thinking. Also, to the girl that was the D girl. I was gonna I say that's, that's the name of the episode. Yeah, the D girl. D girl. Like she, she's I was hot. very attracted to her. Dude, I thought she was she's beautiful. smoking. Hot. She was also on The Walking Dead. So was she's she? a beautiful woman. Yes. It, what? When? Um, she, she isn't. I don't know. There's so many seasons. Skip. I have no idea. She get. But she gets. Scene, she gets naked in The Sopranos when he bangs her, right? 
I think so. Yeah. How's but, that uh, something we don't know off the top of our head? I think she does. But that's his cousin's wife or fiance? I think it's his um I'm not sure. We need an assistant. You know when she uh <laughs> you know when she fell in love with him in that episode? Yeah. Uh it's it's her and her husband who happens to be Chris's cousin. They're at a bar and the dude's from Morgan Sack or mm-hmm. are behind him, like, you know, the guys in the suit, like laughing, drinking the young, like whatever. Mm-hmm. They bump into Chris and they're getting loud. And Chris just gets up, walks over to the whole group, gets down to their leader, whispers something in his ear. He then says, All right guys, let's let's pack it up and get out of here. And like the look she gives on you know, the look she gives him, it just says like you know, you know mm-hmm. she fell in love at that moment. Remember, uh, remember, like, like when you would watch The Sopranos, it was always a Sunday, too. It never moved around. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning, I think, of Sunday Night Program, quality HBO programming. That, yeah, that, was, that under, was the entourage. beginning. Entourage. Yep. So, like, each night, I I think during the beginning, well, during Sopranos, I watched it with my wife. Mm-hmm. It was my girlfriend then. You know, we watched it. It was like a ritual every Sunday. Come over, watch it. And uh, I've never seen anything quite like that, man. So many great characters. Vito, man, like, you know, when I was doing the notes today, I didn't even think it to think about Vito and you know what I miss Vito dude he's such a great character when they gave him the light where like he was like alright we're gonna run with your story I, I thought that story was great how about the Tony fact- sympathized with him remember Tony was like well he wanted to give him a pass like I think he understood well well, here's the, the thing it's the 21st century and I think uh, Christopher's like it is the 21st century was it was it the fact that he really was sympathizing and, and wanted to give him a pass or was it the fact that Phil wanted to kill him and 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 Tony was just too proud to let that happen. Who are you talking about? Phil Leotardo? <laughs> Phil, Phil the Leotardos <laughs> and the Leonardos. Dude, that scene was great, man. You know, it used to be Leonardo until some fucking Gitsu changed yeah, it. Exactly. As a humiliation on Ellis Island. <laughs> Yo, man, and like the music like kicks in and he's looking up and he's like, no more, no more. He's staring at the paintings of his ancestors. Yeah. Dude, goosebumps every time I think about that. His br- his brother was up there, His a picture it, of his brother. Yeah, his brother who had just like got killed down whatever happened there you know, know right? carmine jr god man so many great you know moments too also i should really point out okay in my early 20s i had a really long ponytail because i was totally into who furio i mean his look furio 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 i want you to come over my house he um he had that long ponytail look and then i started shaving like my uh undercarriage for the long hair fellas here yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah to match his uh ponytail look and uh, I always thought it was cool that, uh, you know, he was on the show and then we never knew what happened to him. My, my, I always uh, thought that he'd come back. Like, I remember saying to my wife, I was like, look, the ending for me that I really want and I thought it was going to happen to when they lead it up to it. We all know how the, you know, series ends, spoilers, in that restaurant, in that deli, whatever, getting them onion rings. I thought Furio was going to walk back in and <laughs> just cap him. Uh, Furio. There's a bee on your hat. Uh, uh, I gotta watch TV to figure out the will <laughs> Stupid a fucking game The boss of his family told you You're gonna be Santa Claus You're <laughs> Santa Claus So shut the fuck up about it <laughs> uh, That's that's a great line by Paulie by the way You ever notice that Paulie Would would m- Jump to the defense of Tony Every time Like, like, like there's another instance that You just said that it, it just brought to my mind There was a scene where uh, Mustang Sally beats mm-hmm. the shit out of Vito's 
family member with a golf club mm. and uh some so he's part of this the uh april crew so you had uh uh jackie jr was in the hospital oh, Jackie jr got so many great characters skip so jackie jr was in the hospital mm-hmm. and he was like making these overtures and he was a citizen you know what i mean like it's not a citizen but a civilian they call him and tony always tried to keep him out of the mafia yeah. he wanted to protect him because Go to Ruckus. exactly and uh uh you know he's making all these overtures like let me have a let me have a hand at mustang sally i'll do it myself and tony tells him to leave and get out of there and he kind of has back, back talk mm-hmm. and paulie gets in his face and says better yet go to the ear nose and throat department and get your hearing fixed <laughs> dude paul is the best why the piss and shit and fucking all happen within a two-inch radius? <laughs> Paulie was just full. Like I, I, I really love that guy too. I love his story too. Uh, the fact that he was a convicted felon and then turned him, made himself around. I like all the stuff he did with uh, James Gandolfini when they were doing the USO stuff. They traveled around, saw all the troops. What do you mean in real life? In real life, <laughs> not in uh, New Jersey in the Sopranos universe. Yeah, but in real life, before James Gandolfini passed, there was like a couple documentaries. Um, that he produced about uh, veterans and stuff, and uh, uh, do you know he was a real mafia guy? Yeah, yeah. Or I think he was not mafioso because he couldn't really do what he does. With <clears throat> he was involved. He's like yeah. wise guy. I have some. Uh, I have some good. Is he hundred percent Italian? I I don't know if he's if he's from the old country or not. Uh, but uh, I've got some. I've got some good poly lines. Uh, Fuck him and his alligator tears. That gives him a pass. <laughs> I don't care if he has a hundred kids in ICU with arrows in their heads. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> you know it, and I know it. <laughs> Word to the wise: Remember Pearl Harbor. Uh, you did the. You did. You already. You see, you picked one of me. You. The boss. Which one did family. I get? Which one did I get that you liked? You know what? Here's another good. It's one. the boss of the family. <laughs> uh, I think this is from the one where uh, this is the same one that we just talked about. Oh no no no. It's when Chrissy gets shot and he's going through all those existential moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, one are you talking about? I think I have that. Uh, you know, they, they, somebody asked Paul if he believes in, in, in hell and he, and he goes, uh, purgatory, a little detour on the way to paradise. You add up all your, you add up all your mortal, mortal sins, multiply that number by 50. Then you add up all your venial sins, multiply that by 25. You add that together and that's your sentence. I figure I'm going to have to do 6,000 years before I get accepted into heaven. And 6,000 years is nothing in eternity terms. I can do that standing on my head. Dude. Those who want respect, give respect. <laughs> if you can quote the rules, then you can obey them. See, that's that's uh, Tony. You switch gears on me. Dude, that's what we do here on the Bobcast, okay? Everybody who's listening to the show, they know what's going on. Listen. They know that we're just going to pop in and out of all these characters. She- I was thinking about Syl. Even when you were talking about Furio, you know? Uh, hey, Sil, you remember your first blowjob? Oh, yeah. How long did it take for him to come? <laughs> There's this one line I really like. It's between... Um... Mix it with a relish? What line is mix... What episode is mix it with a relish from? You remember when you... Uh, say it again. Oh, mix it with the relish. That's from the best episode ever is uh, the Pine the Pine, pine Barrens. Pine Barrens. Pine yep. Caps, what I say. Um, he jumped he, out of the tree and came at me with a chainsaw. I got a right to defend myself, Tone. I love that cocksucker like a brother, and then he fucked me in the ass. Dude, what a great episode, <laughs> man. That episode was just pure... Which one? 
the one you're describing the pine barrens one oh pine barrens yeah yeah, yeah. pine barrens that uh you know who directed that that's Bashimi, yeah yeah Bashimi. Steve, yeah is that your so so i don't want to jump ahead but was that your favorite episode no, we'll get to that towards the end. Right. I'll give you one of, the, of my favorite parts. That was uh, when uh, Christopher Moltisante, you were talking about when he got shot, you know? And he's in bed and he's had those, like, hallucinations. And Christopher Moltisante's like, I'm going to hell, T. You're not going anywhere but home. I crossed over to the other side. You what? I saw the tunnel and the white light. And I saw my father in hell. Paulie Walnuts. Get the fuck out of here. Christopher. And the bouncer said that I'd be there too when my time when my time comes. Paulie, what bouncer? Christopher, the Emerald Piper. That's our hell. It's an Irish bar where it's St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's every day, night. forever. <laughs> Dude, this Dude. face, and that's when Paulie gets like super superstitious. Remember, like he's like, yeah. oh, you know. Dude, I, I I quoted that line in college all the time because I used to pretend that I was some kind of hardcore Italian who had this issue with Irish people like this kind of conflict and then some of my Irish friends we would kind of go back and forth mm -hmm. and I would always throw that line out I'll throw it so like the whole thing with the like, Paulie Walnuts and his superstitions you know his superstitions about the cats mm -hmm. his all his like weird ticks and stuff one of the lines he's talking about uh, snakes because you know snakes are you know the worst thing like, <laughs> I know you, you can have and he says yeah. uh they have both male and female sex organs. That's why somebody you don't trust, you call a snake. How can you trust a guy who can literally go fuck themselves? <laughs> Love that. I remember that moment too. I remember. I, like, see, the weird thing is, is, like, my memory of The Sopranos allows me to navigate through other memories where I'm at, like, in that time of my life. It's weird. Like, looking forward to one thing, because, like, now, like, with the internet, you can watch everything anytime you want. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, it's just right there at your fingertips. So, uh, back to the Pine Barrens. So I was, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I was trying to think of my favorite episode. And I was tough, man. That was like, that was, that, it was, I, I went with a different one. But that one was a very close second. Uh, uh, because it was just filled with, it was filled with drama. It was filled with it comedy. It was perfect, yeah. And it had that, like, you know diehard scenario going on where it was like a pressing scenario they have to go find this guy you know it's, here's here's i love when christopher breaks the remote or excuse me when paulie bre breaks the remote he's like oops universal remote put back on docking station put back the fuck you say <laughs> but uh, uh that was actually filmed in harriman state park oh, wow. in new york yeah so they doubled it yeah, they they remember they were gonna go to the, uh, AC to get some steaks. Yeah, make a day out of it. Make a day out get of it. Get some steak. I remember play uh, little craps. There's a part in that episode too where uh, Paulie's going through the motions while they're pumping gas, and he Paulie actually looks at somebody. It's like a family. Do you remember that? Yeah, he like nods to them or something. Yeah, yeah, like he nods to them. But see, that's what I'm talking about with this prime. Like there's all these weird moments, but I think. When he nods to them, like the people don't reciprocate really too well. They're and then like, he gives oh, like a, he going. gives like a dirty look, like yeah. you motherfucker. Yeah, you motherfuckers. You know when else he does that, Bob? When he's yeah. in he's in the old country, commendatory. Uh, commendatory. He, he he goes <laughs> to the uh, he, the he guy next the, door. He goes Piacere, and he doesn't even yeah. look at him. And he goes, cocksucker. That's the best. You know who that was though? Commendatory. That was David Chase. 
Oh wow! And the, cameo. I, yep. How about that? Little was that the only trivia. time that he was on there? I think he might have had a in the background once or twice. But uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Meadow's friend in season one. What's her name? Oh, the one that Hunter. Returned, yeah, Hunter, Hunter Scangarelli. That's the, the last season. That's David. That's David Chase's daughter. Oh man, you're just full of like knowledge tonight here on the Bobcast, man. Bro. Hope everybody's enjoying this just as much Bro. as we both enjoyed the Sopranos. For the amount of work, uh, you know what? Uh, back to the Pine Barrens. Yeah, let's go it was here. it was like right after uh, when it, when Chris, you know, Chris was like starving the whole time, like because mm-hmm. they didn't eat. They didn't eat. Uh, that's when when Chrissy's like, "Let's go eat," and then Paulie's like, "No, no, no, we'll we'll go to Morton's." Go to AC, play some craps, have a steak, make a whole night out of it. They're actually—it's funny because we just talked about this. They're going to bury a guy that yeah. they just murdered, and they're only in the and clothes. he's and they're in his yeah. He's in the trunk, like yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, later that night, when when they're in the car and mm-hmm. they're freezing cold, yeah, and and they're just ready to tear it at each other's throats. Chrissy goes. Uh, I told you we should have ate at Roy Rogers and Polly goes and I should have fucked Dale Evans, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so many great moments, man. Uh, I remember when he, I remember uh, Christopher goes outside to take a piss and uh, Christopher, Polly yells at him because he's pissing too close to the piss all over it. That's, but you're missing a key part yeah, what of that. The, what was the punchline? He, on he that goes, one? Uh, it, and I've used this in my personal life so many times, but he, one of the famous kind of, uh, Expressions that they use in that mm-hmm. show is whoa, yeah, whoa. Polly goes, whoa, what are you doing? Go piss in front of your own window. <laughs> and and Polly's like, or Chrissy's like, oh, whatever. And he's like, don't forget, I'm a captain. And and Chrissy goes, oh yeah, captain or no? Right now we're just two jerk offs lost in the woods. And he can't light his cigarette. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, too. dude. Speaking of that scene, uh, uh, I think that is the most hilarious underrated moment in that episode because despite the fact mm-hmm. that it is freezing cold and they are literally freezing to death Chrissy uh, is pissed off because he can't light a fire to light his cigarette like that's that's what he's upset about my god <laughs> and the fact too that we never knew what happened I always loved that too like uh, there was one of the many mysteries that never went I thought, to the place where you, like they, they would come back and like you know the Russian would you know come out and whack him, but I'm, I wonder if that was like a thought that they had, like maybe I we'll think pick David this Chase up later. Likes stuff like that. He like he his writing generally reflects like the part of drama of real life of just not knowing, yeah. you know. And yeah. I like that. I don't know if it would, with technology. I don't. I mean, his storytelling. I can't wait to see this new film that comes out next year. We'll come. You have to come back and we'll review that together as well. I don't have high hopes, Bob. <clears throat> is David Chase involved? You, uh, yeah. He is? Yes. Okay. Well, I hope it's good. Did you see Not Fade Away? No. Yeah, I saw bits and pieces of it look a little loose. But, I mean, hey, I'm a big fan, no matter what. I mean, the fact that we're getting a soprano story and his oh, kid's doing it. You got to watch I it. I sent uh, his kid a message about his dad, and he gracious, he wrote back to me uh, graciously, and uh, it was very nice. Where? Where did you write to him? Like, <clears throat> on Instagram. And he wrote back? Yeah. Because I had lost my friend who I'd watched The Sopranos with. His name was Brian Letterman. And I would go over to his house before, like I really started dating Teresa like heavy towards like the mid thousands. But in the early thousands, I was over there on Sundays and we'd chill out on the couch, uh-huh. watch it. And like all these like great moments, like, you know, the Pine Barrens and stuff, experiencing that and then talking about it. 
for, I remember like talking about the Sopranos like on that couch mm-hmm. for like 30 minutes like afterwards just you know chatting like oh, this and that and so like layered and textured you know and like it easily becomes like a great I don't know like it, all the characters really shine you know well hold on just, let me just get back to um, the young Gandolfini mm-hmm. there was something I read about the, pe- the, the prequel that kind of stood out I thought mm-hmm. you'd like to hear so he wasn't even a thought for the role uh, the young Gal- Gandolfini and he kind of just uh, on a whim went in and auditioned mm-hmm. uh, what they said the insiders said that his screen presence and mastery of Tony's mannerisms copied with his resemblance of his father made him the standout choice for the role because yeah. no one understood the character better it's awesome yeah. yeah, it's very tragic I wish James was still with us he seemed like a very good person you know I know it sucked when he died. Who else is dead uh, from the show? Is is uh 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 what's it? Phil, Phil's gone. Phil Leotardo. Phil Leotardo's gone. Oh, that's right, Phil Leotardo. Dude, it really when the noise of the microphone went, I thought the Phil Leotardo. Was, I, just, I thought I just, he was in the room with us. I got the fear of God in me. Phil Leotardo. How about when he's in the closet? When they open up the closet, and he comes. By the out way, the, yeah, I think that is a. David Chase is notorious yeah. for symbolism. Oh my it's god! It's multiple, definitely. multiple times there is symbolism across the board in this show, and it is a common theory that uh, he is a closeted homosexual, and it kind of makes sense because if you look at just culture in general, right? Like these hardcore right wingers who are super anti-gay and. Uh, you know, end up, you know, later find out that they are closeted homosexuals. And it's like they have such visceral hate for other gay people because they can't reconcile that with themselves. And if you listen to uh, if you listen to Phil's hate towards Vito, Mm -hmm. like he absolutely fucking hates Vito and and just wants him gone, just just wants him gone. And uh, with that just outrageous hate and, uh, you know, uh, that scene where Vito gets killed in the hotel room. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, so tragic. Phil comes out of the closet. Like Dracula. To do it. And people say that that's symbolism, that Phil was a closeted homosexual himself. I love it. I love but, it. But, you know, when he, he was in the can, 20 years, didn't make a peep. He did what he had to do, right? Yeah, right. When he wanted a grilled cheese sandwich, he put it on the radiator. That's what he did. Poor Phil, man. His demise was shocking as well, man. Having that car roll over his head. Never that, forget that. That was a crazy scene, wasn't it? Brutal. It? The the reaction of all the uh, bystanders. And, and oh, the pop. They, didn't somebody the throw up? The pop. That was yeah, always yeah. good, like, bu- like bystander reactions. You remember when... Uh, remember when? when the, yeah, it was the lowest <laughs> form of conversation. <laughs> yeah. Tony uh, just shut my quotes. You just took it out of my... Yeah. Sorry. It's such a great quote, though. It is. That and it like, just... I do that a lot with my friends, Tony. Remember when. Like, I, d- I do that a lot con- with, like... Like, I did it with you at the beginning of the show. I do it with other friends. I try not to do that because I think about... Well, I also saw the episode not too long ago, and I'm wondering what's going on with Tony there at that dinner table because, A, he's mad at Paulie because he thinks Paulie's got too big of a mouth. He hates Paulie. Yeah. Did you not think he was going to whack Paulie that episode? Oh, my God. The, the, that boat on the boat? Is on great. the boat? Hands down. Because he knew. Wonderful. He knew that mm-hmm. Paulie was the one that was diming he out knew. to New yeah. York. And Tony said it. He's like, it mm-hmm. was you. You told him, come on. When you were in the can, you had Paulie Jr. And I love and the- 
And uh, brings up a good point. I love the way James Gandolfini portrayed Tony Soprano. The way he eats food. Oh, dude, I I actually you ever play with your pasta like that? Like I want to. That nobody scene? nobody can twirl pasta like him. Nobody can twirl pasta. The, 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 the technique combined with the perfect sound that would be the made radius. on the plates. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when he's in there with Jackie oh, Jr. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's at the uh, he's at Vesuvio. And oh, during the apology scene? Yeah. Oh, no, no. no, no, not during the apology. You're thinking of uh, when Ralph Cifaretto comes in there. No, no, no. When, when, uh, when Jackie Jr. is fucking up, oh, Tony yeah. invites him to sit down mm-hmm. and uh, he he's just standing the there. He's just standing there. He goes, take a seat. Yeah. And then he's sitting down. Tony, Tony does the twirl. Just twirling oh, yeah. pasta. And then after a few seconds, he got it wrapped up and he goes, lose the glasses. And then he yeah. puts it in his mouth. And you know what's, this is another piece of trivia I had for tonight. It's very common that uh, actors don't eat. They're like they 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 they, they don't eat the yeah, food. Acting around it, yeah. T- Tony Tony would eat literally it. ate like he yeah. he ate that food. Like he it was one of the few that would go through that. He, not he just definitely gave weight. He said that one time that he had felt like the character felt better that way. Which you want I me wish to... in hindsight didn't happen. Maybe you had better health and lived longer. You know, oh, but God. sucks. Yeah, he loved those scotches. Th- yeah, I mean that's just the thing though. I mean like. Should you be upset because somebody lived their life to the fullest? I guess not. No, but I mean, he left too soon. Yeah, but uh, Tony's just whole story in general, man. Like the whole thing too in the beginning with like his mom trying to whack him. I had never seen a story like that on television before, and like the way that like she wants to whack him is so like matter of factly. Did you ever go back and watch it when Corrado and uh, you know they had the conversation about Tony and like you know talking to the to the shrink when I tell you I've watched this series mm-hmm. front beginning to end over over a hundred times I, I, I can't explain to you enough how that's not an exaggeration like literally a hundred times but go ahead finish and I, I, I hear you on that I feel the same way about um, so I would always watch The Sopranos when there was like, like when my wife was pregnant we couldn't go nowhere but that was a big time where we watched it front to back and before that I'd watch it probably front to back maybe you know legit four or five times but I'd like gone back and forth and watched you know different ones but and especially when he passed away see the thing that sucks is like my friend who passed away who lamented for James Gandolfini also passed away and like I, I just went through it then too mm. just to deal with it you know to have something familiar to cope with yeah. and that's what I did to get through the loss of somebody who was taken too quick my friend Brian um, lost his life to drugs which was Ugh. which was terrible but uh, I guess in hindsight, the TV show, you know, it's something we both enjoyed. So it helped me get through uh, his loss. That's the thing, man. It it just, you, you can't, you can't feel like watching that show. You just feel good, right? It just, it's an escape. I don't know what it is. There's like a dopamine push in your mind. You're like, Din-in? like the music alone. The music, too. The music I never want to, I never want to skip that music. I want it. But go back to your story about Corrado and, and you were saying uh, how she was going to off Tony. What were you I gonna... just I remember like it was like a matter of fact moment where Corrado just like you know machismo like is just like you know taking this action like I, I it's just I couldn't believe it I, I was shocked and then like when they take him in the van and they play him the tape I thought Tony's reaction was like brilliant like it was so like it ah, was... yeah yeah but he could like there's this moment where he recognized you know the voice on the tape as his mother and he was just you know, destroyed, destroyed. He was destroyed, know? and you could, you. Could what kind s- of person am I that you know my own mother once? My own mother. Dead. You know, my Dude, own mother. You could, you could. Olivia, see it. Olivia. 
do, do you know that uh, do you know that she died before they were done taping and there is an episode where she's in there with CGI um yeah that was the like when the, the in between seasons right because she had passed away I, I don't know but but the last episode she's in and I, I don't remember off the top of my head but uh, if you go back and watch it, it is so mm-hmm. clearly like CGI. But I didn't notice at the time. Yeah. Like it's like her face on somebody else. Yeah. On somebody else's body. So let's talk about, I guess, you know, our favorite episodes. I think I'm going to go first. I'm going to talk about the sixth episode. Um, watch it be the same as mine. It's University. Oh, gotcha. That's so, great. It's. Amazing, but not the one I picked. This episode is intense. It's a an episode with many themes. There's a theme that goes throughout with three women, right? So it starts off, I guess, at the top of entitlement with Meadow, who's going to school in NYU, mm. and then it's also featuring Caitlin, who's out of her mind on you know medication drinking with absolute vodka posters on her wall, and then there's another character, and that's Tracy, and she dances at the Bada Bing. And this episode was met with um, violence that had not been seen on television before. I had never seen anything like that on television before. But, I mean, in retrospective, I don't know why. I think it's my favorite episode because I, I remember that evening being at Brian Letterman's house and not, not speaking afterwards for the longest time. And it, it was the most controversial one, too, where it's like you watch a show and you love it, and then this goes and happens. And then... You have to come to the like you know, the realization you know, oh, do, am I allowed to like this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that was like the first time I ever liked something that I felt I shouldn't be allowed to like. Mm-hmm. Well, the scene you're referencing, it was gut wrenching, right? Yeah. I mean, it was when Ralph Cifaretto beats Tracy to death out back of the Bing. It was it was very tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like it really brought to it brought to life. Uh, the horror of really what was going on in that life that 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 these mafiosos loved uh, and lived and it's it's almost like you know did it break the fourth wall where uh, it's telling the viewer that hey you know mm-hmm. these are the anti-heroes you're rooting for them but yeah. you know really should you it's the beginning of the anti-hero in a way like you know for Tell you know me. breaking bad characters and stuff like that and yep. And it was just such a weird feeling, I remember. And I remember not being able to, like, I remember, like, my parents were also watching it. And I think I got my parents involved with watching it. And, like, you know, my mom was just, like, disappointed. Yeah, I mean, and and <clears throat> scenes like that, they, they make you hate the guts mm-hmm. of, of everyone in that crew. I've never got the feeling, uh, excuse me, I've never got the people who, who watch The Sopranos and, mm-hmm. and just idolize everything about them. And I was... Just kind of a, a, a alluding to that just a second ago, but what makes Sopranos great is that uh, they they don't play that game like other gangster films do. These people are scum. This whole scene makes me physically uncomfortable. Like the it really does. Mm-hmm. It's it's very uncomfortable to watch. Uh, e- even though I watch this series so many times, like mm-hmm. I, I, I still can't I, I still can't stu- I still can't stomach it. It's so realistic, you know, and it's just like man. I know, and. Uh, Joey Pants, as I like to call him. You know Joey Pants is? I know who Joey Pants is. <laughs> dude, he, how many movies is he in? Like, the Matrix, dude. He's Matrix, in The Sopranos. He's Bad all Boys, over the place. Goonies. Bad Boys. 
Oh, dude, good call, Goonies. Right, he's all over. He yeah. is Mr. Pop Culture, dude. But, dude, he did a great job mm-hmm. bringing Ralphie to life. Like, Oh, my God, dude. And think about the, the risk he took, you know, portraying such a brutal character like that. You know, I mean, like... Exactly. He's one of the few characters that I genuinely hated. It's hard for me to separate the mm-hmm. actor from the from the. Do you remember uh, also to the character? God, he got on my nerves so bad. Was Noah Meadows' boyfriend in that episode? <laughs> See, that's where I thought you, when you named the coers. How did you leave? That, or excuse me, when you named the uh, the characters of that episode, mm-hmm. how was the Hasidic homeboy not the first? Well, I, I used one so you mentioned. The, and the episode really is about three females in a way, and I never really realized <laughs> that until recently. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really. I mean, he's involved, but I mean, it first is a story all, of the plight uh, of like what you, a woman can go through. If you wanna, you know, people mention. Joffrey or whatever the hell his name is from Game of Thrones as being a a character that you hate Mm -hmm. he is fucking uh, Jesus compared to uh, Noah Tenenbaum the Hasidic homeboy I like for some reason that character gets under my skin more than anything more than anyone in any show ever and when Tony Mm -hmm. comes down and puts him on the spot mm-hmm. literally was like the greatest thing ever what does he what does tony say to him do you remember i don't uh, at the moment i i think uh tony comes down in his bathrobe and he sees noah and uh meadow on the couch and uh oh yeah he says something meadow meadow gets yeah. nervous and she goes upstairs and she leaves Noah alone with Tony. Oh yeah, and Tony says something. Dude, he puts his arm around Noah and uh No offense. Yeah, he's like uh But you're a Mulian. <laughs> he goes, uh when you applied, where did she go? He goes, When you applied to Columbia. <laughs> oh uh, my god, yeah. You know how they ask you those questions, uh, about about uh whether you're this or that? He's like, What did you check? And he's like, Well, my mom's uh my, my dad's Jewish and my mom's African American. And he's like, oh, which one did you pick? Mm-hmm. And Noah goes, oh, African-American. And Tony goes, so you see my point here. Yeah, right. And Noah's like, what? His, he's face, like, his face said it he's all, He's like, too. you're a Moulinian, you're a charcoal baguette. <laughs> God, man. I'll never forget that. It was such a, it was, it also, it really dealt with like themes in America, mm-hmm. especially after 9-11 when they removed the Twin Towers. But yeah, that, that, that episode, University, um, never really going to, forget that get it out of my head you know yeah I, I am stoked to make this announcement right now on the bobcast that in a few short minutes and skip you can back me up on this we're gonna have ariel kylie the actress that portrayed tracy here on the bobcast what an honor bob i don't know how you got tracy to to do this but when i found out like literal literal goosebumps like sh- oh god i i'll be honest man i had the biggest crush on on her uh in that show and how could you not mm-hmm. like gorgeous like she was a gorgeous woman very excited to hear about her experience 20 years later and she does all sorts of different great things um and we'll learn out we're learning a bit more about her a little bit here down the show she's gonna call in or we're gonna call in a few short minutes so don't turn off now because Tony Regal, the skipper, and I are going to blast off into full detail of what that was like 20 years ago watching. I was like, what, not 20? That was 18. That was what, season? What season was that, by the way? Uh, three. Yeah. 
how about the way Ralph Cifaretto just comes on the scene, you know? He's just like this little Napoleon, like, you know? He came out of nowhere, dude. Out of nowhere, dude. And he, and he came His out of nowhere. His first appearance is just like so matter-of-factly. Like, you know here what he it, is. You know what it was? It was uh, Tony was having a party, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a dispute uh, between um, an, another one of the uh, yep. another one of the crews over. They, they torched a uh, trash truck uh, on one of the routes. Paint that picture? Yeah, and uh, what happened was uh, they were... Uh, arguing over who she and we talked about mm-hmm. this earlier yeah they were arguing over who deserves to get this route and uh oh yes uh ralphie didn't get it so he torched the truck of uh, why am i i'm drawing a blank on the crew um barisi, barisi. Uh, Al, albert barisi it was his son <laughs> yeah alley boy barisi who also uncle june tried to no no uh richie april who had, mm-hmm. by the way, tremendous moxie for his size. Yeah, tremendous <laughs> moxie for his size. Uh, Richie, Richie tried to get Richie uh, Albert, Albert to back him to off Tony. And according to Junior, he just he just couldn't sell it, could he? He just couldn't he sell couldn't it. He couldn't sell it. He couldn't sell it. He just couldn't sell it. And that's when he couldn't take over. And that, I mean, that, that death was shocking, man. But we'll get to that in a bit. I want to stick on uh, Ralphie in this episode. So what he does to, you know, Ariel Kylie's character, Tracy, is so horrible that you are just now rooting for Ralphie's demise, which didn't happen until a little bit later. It didn't come as quickly as people had hoped. And I think the writers did that on purpose, so that way he was the most loathed villain of the show, I guess, besides Phil Leotardo. But you, you know what's funny is, like, you mentioned these characters that are, are hated but when you watch like i didn't hate ralph like there was something uh, yeah there's yeah well he's funny ralph he's had funny, great lines like he was exciting to watch yeah when she makes him the sandwiches this is good baby and he's just watching uh michael douglas uh in spartacus you know oh yeah and it's just not the same he and uh he's great man he's just so great you, you know mean, what why don't you uh why don't you get me a fanta <laughs> well i mean in a few short moments we're going to talk to ariel uh, you know, I might as well just give her a proper introduction, you know, because when she calls in, we're just going to have to get right into the chat because I do believe she's calling from the road. So Ariel Kylie um, in the recent years has become a yoga instructor and a blogger. She edits Tune Up Fitness and has co-authored Smitten, The Way of the Brilliant Flirt. She does public speaking events which help with wealth realization. Uh, recently, I've been watching like her Instagram and she's got this like saying that she abides by. It's called riding, uh, her, riding my rocket. So basically... Riding your rocket means that you regularly engage in your creativity, you produce work, and put it out to the world. Hence my Bobcast each week, putting it out to the wor- world, riding my rocket, you know? Um, she says that uh, if you remove your own muzzle and you become bold, uh, you have consistent action. So, I mean, I'm very stoked for her to come on the show and talk uh, more about it. You lost me there. What <laughs> uh, What is? Mm-hmm. What, what does she do? She does like... Well, she's a yoga instructor, but she also does lots of um, like events helping people with wealth realization. Like in other, in other words, like okay, if you're in debt, how to get out of debt positively oh, and maybe, like, do stuff like maybe that. Maybe I should keep her on the phone uh, after this. <laughs> I think we should get on the podcast so people can hear. <laughs> she had problem with, problems with her wealth. Maybe we should start with that instead yeah, of yeah, just Tracy, going right. Uh, everybody probably goes right into Tracy. We should ask her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got debt problems. Hi, hi Tracy. Uh, can we talk about my Macy's card, please? Yeah, I mean, that would be great. I mean, what if she just help you right away, you know? God. It would be something. God. But, um, yeah, yeah, 
I can't tell you the last time I was nervous for a guest in the Bombcast. 202 episodes. Have you had any other, like, big guests? Uh, I had uh, the lead singer of Dispatch. I had uh, Schoolie D from Philadelphia, the rapper. Uh-huh. Um, I had Big Data, who had a hit. Um, Jack White's drummer, Daru Jones. So, no. No, not yet. <laughs> no actors. Oh, actually, you know who I had? I had Comic Book Men. <laughs> Who's that? Is that a person or is that uh, like a, a group TV, of It was a TV show. It was a TV show. On what? Um, it was on uh, AMC with Kevin Smith. Oh, oh, dude, Kevin Smith, he's the man. But yeah, this this episode, man, I just never forget, dude. And like now, I was thinking to myself today when we arranged this this phone call interview, I was just like, man, would you ever think in a million years, twenty years later, you'd be interviewing her on your show for everybody to enjoy? Because that's what we do here, Skip, on the Bobcast here in the lounge every Thursday night. And you know what? Uh, a great man once said, uh, that body, she's mm-hmm. got a body of a thoroughbred, but that those choppers, my own, they're a fucking train wreck. I wonder if, like, do you think she hears that kind of, like... I don't know. Like, that's hey, a good question. Were her, I don't know. Dude, I'm not asking her that. But, like, uh, do, do you... like? Right, her look, t- it's, it's 8.30. I'm going to call her right now, okay? okay? All right, the anticipation is high. Putting on speakerphone, no editing. Guarantee it. It's like a Little Caesars answering machine. Ariel Kylie. Yeah, well, hang on. Do you take your time? So yeah, we're holding on here, fixing technology, making sure that we got the speakers correct. Okay, hello. Can you hello, Ariel Kylie. Hi. Hi, welcome to the Bobcast. Oh I, my gosh, is this live recorded? We uh we pre-recorded. I mean, I'm recording live right now, but I mean, it is to tape. So I mean, it can be edited if you'd like. But oh. you you are live and uh we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Sopranos. My uh cohort here is Tony Regal. We're, we're totally stoked you know we were talking just a bit about like all your work with your yoga your wealth realization tony over here he's got some real bad debt problems i mean like can you no! just yeah yeah uh we were actually talking about uh what you're what you were getting into now and i was saying hey i could use some help with <laughs> maybe we should keep you yeah. on longer and we can uh, you can get yourself another client here but i find it very interesting like you know we did a, a little research on you and like in the years since all the different things you did to help other people with yoga, your your classes and your writing and your blogging. And we were just talking about riding the rocket. I ride the rocket every week here on the podcast, <laughs> yes, you know, being as creative yes. as I can. It's like a confession to the world each week, you know, and I feel good about it. So welcome to the show. Oh, I love that. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited that you're riding your rocket. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to go. Sometimes your rocket is just like, just like kind of sputtering along and sometimes it's really launched but the point is you stay on it i have to yeah you can't stop if, if you stop creating then like there's like this void it really happens man if i if i don't do this each week skip i swear mm-hmm. i get a, i get a mess <laughs> but yeah, um yeah. so i yeah i enjoy the creative process uh just creating in general uh so congratulations to you and all your success um I know we only have a short amount of time, so we're just going to get right to it because I know you're traveling right now. We want you to be safe out there. So, Skip, I'm going to give it to you. You can get the first question tonight with Ariel. Well, we were just kind of going back and forth here, Ariel, and I was just saying that your your arc 
on on the sopranos is is so great in so many in so many different ways i mean there's implications from your character going you know really all the way to the end of the show in, in my opinion and and the episode that you're in university i think uh it might have arguably had the the largest impact on the show for instance after it aired and i'm sure you're aware of this but uh many people were so horrified by that scene uh that 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 scene where you know your character was murdered that uh they actually called in and uh, hbo and, and canceled their subscription and i know i was so proud of that <laughs> that's great <laughs> to, uh, well i guess what like what what why like what 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 makes you proud of like what's what's your reason well i mean the second i read the script i was just really protective of tracy like i mean tracy's story is not my story but i recognized the essence of who she is in myself and in my experience and at that time i was i was 19 and didn't know how to speak up for myself and didn't know how to navigate the world in this body that was quite frankly very attractive to a lot of people and like that britney spears song like you want a piece of me like there was there was a lot going on for me that i didn't have expression for at that time and reading the story of tracy and thinking about like just filling her with humanity instead of making her an object and and i didn't know that it would have that effect on people but i was so happy that people felt her that deeply because to me that's like hope for humanity when we don't take someone and say oh she's just a stripper or oh he's just a dropout and instead are able to like see and feel like feel the humanity in them that's when i'm like awesome so when i heard people were angry about the show i just loved that they were touched by her and by the story i think they were touched by more than that by i think they're touched by james gandolfini's relationship to her and everything um instead of just seeing it as like a bunch of characters that are that are a joke you know that's that's actually really interesting so so i guess what you're saying is you were able to i guess show a a side of this person that was a human being right a mother uh a, an individual who was looking for love you know she was uh pregnant was looking you know uh she wasn't a stripper a, a, a whore a, a drug addict she was she was a human being and she was somebody's like, daughter you know i mean and, and the, we were talking a little bit earlier about how like you know the, the three characters in this episode you have you know tracy you have meadow in school and you have caitlin and they're in very different parts of the social structure you know so the episode was really written well for that reason. I love Terrence Winter. His his writing is phenomenal. Uh, so I mean, I thought that was just such a great like theme. And like Tracy, yeah, you are correct, Tony, in saying that we were just talking about like Ralph and like his whole arc. That set into motion so many different things that happen on the show. Well, I just want to get back to one thing that that tra- that excuse me, <laughs> I keep wanting to call you Tracy. That Ariel you did, just, you did call. Her Tracy, I can't, right? I can't it's separate okay, it. Skip. You I, don't have to. Ariel, do you, to you get that a lot? Like, do people lives. call you Tracy? Tracy's here. In me like now. when, when people, driving from Vermont <laughs> to New York City, when when people see you, do they say Tracy or like do they do they recognize you? Very 
few people have recognized me because on the show I was not just wearing fake braces for most of it, but I was wearing fake teeth, which changed oh. the shape of my face. Oh my and God. I had so much makeup on and so much hairspray. And I was really in a different part of myself. So some every once in a while someone would recognize me, but mostly people know and love Tracy. I may have been I may know them for several days or even my yoga students will have been coming to my class for like four years and then one day they'll walk in and they'll rewatch the episode and they'll look shell shocked and they'll be like, Oh my god. <laughs> that, that, that was one of my questions. I had that as a question. I was like, "Has you ever had a student, you know, recognize you after a while, not off the bat?" So hold on. Yeah, Let's... they do. They really have, and it's really funny. <laughs> so, so, so that was you, you were wearing fake teeth in that episode, because yeah, because she had to have. Are, am I allowed to swear on this show? Yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah, because she had those fucked up teeth. That was the whole point of her needing braces. I mean, I had was it uncomfortable as an when actress? I was twelve, but I got orthodontics. Oh wow! I mean, the one thing that I the one thing that I was wondering about was like, if those were your real teeth, like, how do you criticize? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I mean, like it's, such it's, a yeah. I mean, like, I I never knew this until this evening that these were me either. I ever. mean, and like, um, and I've done my. It was like you did a, a fantastic job of acting with them in because apparently that's very difficult to do. Yeah, it was, you know, I was very self-conscious about my teeth and my smile when I was younger because I had, so I'm missing two teeth and I have a bridge and I have two fake teeth. And when I was younger, I just had these really gap teeth and I was really self-conscious about it. I remember once I, like a cartoon artist did a cartoon of me smiling and I thought I would look great like the other girls who had posed for them before. This is when I was like 10. And I looked at the picture, and I looked so silly with these gap teeth. And so after that, I used to always cover my mouth when I smiled until I got braces. But I was still, I had this self-consciousness. So it was so interesting that Tracy had that exact same thing. But I knew exactly that feeling of wow. feeling self-conscious of my smile and wanting to cover my mouth. Mm. So it, it wasn't that unfamiliar to me. So you could kind of use that as inspiration for... Yeah, I got my tooth knocked out in fourth grade, and I had to have, uh, you know implant put in totally okay. traumatizing it's a traumatizing thing to, like it's called tooth ptsd i tell my dentist it's terrible yeah well tooth, you know? are, teeth are pretty foundational to like your balance and everything so so ariel uh i want to get back to what you said earlier so uh it, it was just really interesting to hear that point that you had uh and the impact because as a viewer i felt it myself like you had such empathy for this woman and and everybody talked about tracy that monday morning was that so was that the vision of the character or did you kind of bring that to the table the what mm -hmm. the, the thing i think i brought um and i remember when i auditioned the room the producers were like whoa like this is this is another level of tracy that maybe they weren't expecting they were going to get but they were really excited about um what I, I played it as imagining me as Tracy. I thought I got the role as Cinderella, the Disney princess. Hmm. So, like, imagine this girl from had a really tough childhood, probably was abused as a kid, and she gets pulled out of that, and she gets to play Cinderella at Disney World. Hmm. How incredible that would be. So mm -hmm. I went through the episode acting like getting on stage at Bada Bing 
was getting getting on the stage at Disney World. Like it was that sweet and that that just that innocent and childlike. And for me, like I said, I felt protective of her. And what I felt protective of was her innocence. And Mm. I think that there's so many female characters. People love to see women get raped and beat up on TV. They love to hate seeing that. And a lot of times the, the, the humanity of that character isn't really felt. People just get, they love seeing that. And so I re- I just felt really passionate about making her as innocent as possible. Well, um, as a, I just, that's how I felt protective of her. Well, and, and you had written something a, a long while ago, and it's funny, I actually used to read your, your blog back in the day. You um, used to? You don't anymore? Well, is it still there? It's like, still there. I read it today, man. Oh, okay. It's good, it's I just started blog. up again. Oh, you I did? I for a while. So she's oh. doing this thing right now where you got to write every day. You got to write something every day, otherwise you, you, did, you fold and you crumble. Did you we don't ride the well, rocket no more. You got it. Riding the rocket, you can do it once a week, okay? Once a week works. Once a day is a very powerful rocket, but once a week works. Did we mention where you can find it? Like, uh, yeah, I have yeah. a website. We have it's just my name, dot .co. Okay. The website, by the way, will be down below here in the podcast. Okay. Great. Uh, but, Ariel, I want to, you know, I just want to uh, come back to that. Uh, so, something I read and, and uh, something you said, um, I, I want to read for, for the audience. You said... I played Tracy to expose something about what it feels like to be a woman in this world, not just to expose myself. I wanted to somehow show the world her humanity, not just that she was an object. And uh, uh, that's the end of the quote. But I loved that you had such a no- that you had such noble intentions while uh, portraying the character, and the Sopranos was your only really foray uh, into acting. Uh, you, you also said how, how hard it is out there for female actresses because of sexism. Uh, you said it made your, your role as Tracy feel natural. You went on to compare uh, Tracy's life to your own life. And, you, you know, uh, just thinking about that, I can, I can kind of see the parallels you're attempting to draw. Uh, both performers, both, uh, you know, you were both performers, both working in a predominantly male atmosphere. And we all know that The Sopranos is, you know, uh, the boys club. But when I was reading that, Ariel, I just, I picked up a lot of emotion from you. And, uh, you know, the, the way you spoke here just, it made me wonder if you experienced anything uh, that kind of brought that air out of you, that, you know, allowed you to kind of relate, relate to that character. I mean, was that you the know, case? there's this saying that, um, a man's biggest fear is that a woman will laugh at him and a woman's biggest fear is that a man will kill her. Mm. I think it's hard when you're in a male incarnation to understand what it feels like to walk through the world as a woman that other men want, that men want to possess, men want to impregnate. And oftentimes if men certain kind of men I love men like and I love a healthy integrated male Mm -hmm. and I love a man that like has all those like strong masculine dominant qualities but some for some for a lot of the population I don't think there's a there's not a full healthy integration of of 
that energy. And so walking through the world as a woman, it can, you have experiences anywhere from someone catcalling you, and when you don't smile at them, they say, well, fuck you, you're a bitch anyway, and you're just walking down the street, to being in situations where someone will try to physically do something with you, and if you don't like it, you might be in danger for your life. Mm. So, like, it's, I know sometimes it can, I know for sometimes for men, it could be like, whoa, really? For women who are listening to this, they know what I'm talking about. It's just the fact of being in your body, being, and and walking through the world. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into detail. Like, yeah, I have had certain experiences that were scary. Um, I'm not going to talk about them openly, but I have had certain experiences that were scary Mm -hmm. that made me really see also what other women that are in much more challenging situations. And one reason I love teaching wealth realization, and I teach mostly to women, is women need to be secure. And a lot of women aren't financially secure. They aren't secure in their jobs. And that insecurity makes them vulnerable to people who could take advantage of them. Well, you're so right. And it's something yeah, that's the truth. You know, I mean, the, the thing that I'm so happy too that like now in today's culture, we're weeding out all these men who are doing these terrible things with the hashtag Me Too movement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, that's they're great. They're not all weeded out. They're not all weeded out yet, but they're coming out. And maybe, I mean, it'll take a long time, but at least the conversation is starting. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, they were running rampant, you know? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm just glad. I mean, like for me, I think first time I learned about like, you know, feminism was from Kurt Cobain in the 90s. Like, I remember, I remember, like, you know, being like, well, what's, you know, Bikini Girl, what's this, like, what's feminism, and then, like, following, like, you know, the Horde Festival and stuff like that in the 90s, so I was always in the know of just being like, look, I mean, they are the superior species, so when I hear about shit like that, and I think that's why the episode is, like, when I look back at, you know, The Sopranos, I had never been that shocked before, like, Mm -hmm. I sat next to my friend, and we didn't speak for a bit after the episode, like, you know, rolled. I was just like, well, where do we go from here? Because we were talking earlier when you love something so much and then it talks about a subject matter or shows something that can be so graphic that you feel embarrassed for liking it or you feel like, oh, this can't be my favorite show because this is so violent. It gets the conversation tardy. Like, the emotions start going like, oh, my God, there's actually people like this mm-hmm. in the world. And then, you know, you have to channel in, I guess, more positive energy. You know what I mean? But like... I remember just being shocked, you know. But the brilliant thing is, here's the thing. David Chase created that show, right? Like, he's actually the one, and David Chase is an amazing man, and James Gandolfini was an amazing man. Really healthy. I mean, obviously, there's some health issues with James Gandolfini. Just He was open about that. But, like, in terms of his psychology and how he treated women really balanced really healthy really protective and like david chase wrote like or was a part of that role being wrote written to expose something about his characters and i think whereas some shows show a really kind of cheap two-dimensional like sensationalist gratuitous version of this sopranos actually took it on in a way where they were willing to lose some of their audience Mm. and like that's actually because the creators and the writers 
are interested in looking at the whole picture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, they really had that going. Yeah. And <clears throat> the one thing uh, that I was really happy, Ariel, was uh, the nice things that you had to say about Gandolfini. And yeah, we're big James fans. <laughs> what, what can you tell us about James? Okay. First of all, he makes rooster sounds a lot. <laughs> Rooster sounds? Rooster like sounds. He, he would just be like on set and be like, oh, 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 oh. He'd be like, is there a rooster on set? Like, no, it's James Gandolfini. Hmm. Um, well, I had a really profound moment with him. Do you want to hear my profound life-changing moment when he ch- when he asked me the question that changed my life forever? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay, and then I'll keep driving down to New Jersey of all places, actually. Um, he, so... When I was shooting the scene where I'm at Bada Bing and like Tracy's getting her, she just got her braces and she's really excited to show Tony her braces. And so she goes up to him and she's topless and she's like got this big smile on her face and she says like, look, look. And he says, what am I looking at? Cause he's looking at her boobs and being like, what's going on? And she says, my teeth, I got braces. And um, so when I was doing that scene, I was just full of bubbles, right? Because I was like, this is this is Tracy's excited moment, just full of bubbles. And he was saying to me, between takes of that scene, he just started saying, what are you going to do when you're famous? Like, what are you going to do when you're famous? Hmm. And I was like, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, James Gandolfini asks you a question. You don't give him a BS answer. Like, so I was thinking about it. I'm like, what am I going to do when I'm famous? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I had gone to school for one year. So I was like, maybe I'd, I'd probably pay off my student loan. Maybe I'd buy my little brother a car. Like, I couldn't quite come up with an answer. But this thought, like, planted itself in me. Because at that age, at 19, I really wanted to be famous. And I was like, what would I do? Like, what do I actually think I want from being famous? So I was sitting with this question all day and it was a long day of shooting. And at the very end of it, it was past midnight. We had just done the scene where Joey and I fight and I had all this plaster on my face and fake blood. And I was next to the guardrail playing dead. So they could do that scene. James and the other guys above me, you know, talking about how to get rid of the body. And I was lying there and he was protective. He was like, he was like making, he's like, y'all bring her a blanket. Like he was trying to make sure I was okay and worried that I wasn't being taken care of. And, um, I was just kind of like letting him play out the scene. I was fine. I was just lying there with plaster on my face, but I was thinking about that question and it dawned on me that if I were to be famous, the thing that would be amazing about it is I could be totally myself and like everyone would love me for it. Like I wouldn't have to hide or pretend I was someone else. And so I said, James, and he's like, what, 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 what? And I said, James, and he came over and he leaned down. I said, I know what I would do. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I, if I was famous. And he said, yeah. I said, and I said, I would just, I just want to be more myself. And he looked at me and like his face changed. I said, I just want to be more and more myself. And he looked at me and he goes, you will, but everyone else will change. Mm. And in that moment, I could see how whoever James was before he got famous, like the bartender, 
the guy studying acting who probably loved these movies, he was always the same guy. But once his face got famous, everyone else changed. And I could see how, in a way, it could be a prison. Mm. And after that, I thought very differently about what I thought fame might do for me. And he kept encouraging me, like, go back to college, go back to college. And um, the last time I saw him was they invited me when I was, like, 25 back to the series finale party. So it was, like, the end, the last year, and the series finale party. And I went up, I went up, we saw, like, the three of the... um, episodes in the movie theater and I went to the party and I went up to him and at first he didn't recognize me and he looked kind of guarded and I was like it's Ariel I played Tracy and then he, he cracked open in a smile and he's like how are you and I said I'm great I just graduated from college this week and he was so excited for me he was wow. just so excited that I got out wow um, and amazing. that was the last I saw him it was a really beautiful moment so um, so I think that was pretty pivotal pivotable (laughs) that's amazing yeah it wasn't the right path for me it was amazing to play that role and be a part of that show but it wasn't my forever path so yeah right now you're doing great things you know um you can check out the website i know you're on the road i don't want to are you driving right now no i'm pulled over in a little town called fort ann well look, look i mean like ending on that note positivity everything you're doing right now with the wellness and stuff like that Tony, I mean, it's been such a pleasure. You know, what I mean, these last twenty minutes having yeah. this conversation. And and Ariel, I could I could probably keep you here for. <laughs> I know, but she was so gracious <laughs> enough to pull over to the side of the road. Yeah, and I want her no. to be safe. You know, yeah. what I mean. Well, yeah. let's talk about wealth realization again one day. Can you have me back on the show, and I'll talk about the steps of wealth realization. Would love to. That'd be great. I would love to learn more about the Tracy subject matter. Tracy rises from the grave to talk about making money. <laughs> it's, it could it could be a hit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it could well, be its whole own podcast. I will definitely uh, network with you, and we can make that happen. And um, you can check out her link below here. Tony, uh, it's been such a pleasure uh, having her on the show. Thank you, Ariel Kylie. Be safe out there driving back to Jersey. Thanks, Ariel. Yeah, yeah. And people can also find me on Instagram at Ariel Kylie. I'm going on a big road trip this year, so you might want to follow along. We will. Awesome. So great to talk to you guys. Have a beautiful yeah. night. Keep up the good work. Ride your rockets. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye bye. See, so, yeah, dude, that was awesome. Yeah. That was really Listen, nice. um, here's me, the thing, right? Here's the thing, because we got to wrap this up soon, because in two hours, they're going to give you a ticket outside. It's kind of like a little pain in the ass here on the podcast. Can I just can I just wrap up one quick moment here? But one yeah, quick thought. This is a big moment we just so, had. So there's a couple things I wanted to I wanted to ask her. I mean, uh, but I'll just I'll, I'll bring it up real quick. So. That scene she was talking about, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where where Tr- Tracy's dead, out behind the Bing, mm-hmm. there is a rumor that uh, the real story with that is what they were originally going to do was just wrap her body in a rug. Oh yeah, rug. he went yeah. And uh, his express or he was supposed to say something along the lines of like, "Come on, you're gonna get that rug all dirty." Yeah. But. Uh, uh, what what he ended up doing was changing the scene entirely and changing the whole tone of it and basically being like, hey, you know, 20 years old, that girl. That girl, that girl, yeah, because you had to see the humanity in the character. He knew when he when he couldn't push it too far. Yeah, uh, but, you know, and, and then one other thought real quick. So uh, 
you know, as I think you know this, Bob, but there, but you know, you said that episode. Uh, you said that episode was among your favorite. But uh, I'm just trying to find it here. Give me one second. Are so, you know what, dude? I didn't even ask what's your favorite. Oh, oh, I'll get. To I'm that. so rude. <laughs> you know what? You keep talking for a second. Let me make sure we got no ticket. Because I swear to God. She sure. comes at clockwork. Keep talking to everybody go right ahead. now about something. So, First of all, before I go check to make sure we don't get ticketed and explain to we're do, we're riding a rocket right now, mm-hmm. how awesome was it having Ariel Kylie? Dude. Trace. I, talk, I did that today. I talking, sent her a query letter today. She came on the show, huh? Talking to a crush I had in high school Yeah, from I could hear TV. your voice. You sound like a 12-year-old boy. You're like, Ooh. Yeah. No, just you no. were very jo- kind and gentle, man. That voice of yours. Uh, but uh, what I was going to say is uh, that episode that she was in, uh, university it had a it, it had a, a huge impact on the show and uh, after it aired many people you know like we said earlier were were really horrified about you know what what had what had happened and uh, yeah I'm just going What's through. That? sorry Bob no, my, you, uh, talking, dude. you did a great job tonight dude I'm uh, gonna be honest dude I've had a couple co-hosts you really did a fantastic job tonight laying it down but listen I want to know your favorite episode dude so so my favorite is the happy wanderer with uh where they have the executive game and oh the executive game and his friend uh his friend comes uh what's that guy's name davy yeah and he's like davy you're doing a good job but he uh you're doing a good job (laughs) then he's then the next morning my f- Bob, my favorite, like kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like, like lingo from that show is when, uh, and they never mention this again in the series, but uh, Davy shows up at the card game. Uh, Chrissy answers the door. Uh, Davy ends up getting in, and uh, he didn't bring any money. And uh, uh, Davy's like, "Can you loan me some some money short short term?" And Tony tries to warn him. He says, Davey, don't, don't say short-term unless you really know this is short-term. And he's like, come on, you know I'm good for it. And uh, Tony turns over and says, hey, Chris, get, get five boxes of ZD for my uh, yeah. dude. Yeah. And you never hear that again. And then the next morning, uh, Tony wakes up. And, uh, and by the way, I know I'm jumping around, but Sill has the best line with Matt Bevilacqua when Matt Bevilacqua was cleaning up. Fucking cheese. What does he say? He goes, uh, <laughs> I like the yo, fucking cheese. Yo, Hazel. I like fucking cheese at my feet. He goes, what does he say? <coughs> I leave, the best, I, I leave, I leave cheese at my socks so when I wake up in the morning it smells like your sister's cunt. Dude, Sil is just the best. But, uh, Tony wakes up and Davey's just looking like shit and, uh, he he says something to 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 Pauly like how what what position is he in and Pauly's like he's down 40 boxes of ziti yeah and uh Davey and Tony are sitting there washing their hands and uh uh Davey's like how about a schwitz Tony you want to get a schwitz you want to get a schwitz is a guy talk to you can i talk to you <laughs> and he goes listen <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to get some sleep and then you got 36 hours to get me my fucking money and then how does he get him the money? Do you remember? Yeah, he gets the money by selling the cheese. He's like, I told you time and time again. No off-roading. And he sells it. 
Dude, his arc was so sad, man. When he had to put the gun to his mouth. Uh, Jesus Christ, oh God. dude. That was, that was tough so, to watch. So many tough moments in this show, dude, man. Dude, gambling? From Tracy's story to Davey. Dude, Davey. How about when Davey... Uh, when when Tony when Tony finds him uh, excuse me Tony finds him in his store in the tent with the pizza <laughs> right yeah. it's just so defeating you and, know what I mean and you know why he's there why Tony's there yeah because he can't go home um, oh Tony's there because he wants uh, the airline tickets right yeah, the Bevilacqua thing the Bevilacquas yeah but uh, I don't know that was just a that was just a great that was just a great episode and and. Carm has another one of her. She meets another one of her dangerous liaisons. It was Furio. It was Father Phil. Such a great episode. And it was the it was the carpenter. What what uh, seasons that skip? That was season three as well. Season three as well. Uh, but the one thing I wanted to tell you because University was your favorite, right? That was your favorite episode. The one thing that you didn't mention was the parallels that were shown between Tracy and, and Meadow. Like you remember there was a scene where, uh, Tony had this flashback of, uh, sorry, Bob. He had this flashback of, I guess Tracy made him Mm -hmm. bread and he's like, and so it's like, yo, Hazel, get back, get back up on stage. But, and then Tony had this flashback Mm -hmm. of, of, of Meadow and, uh, there's just I I where I'm going with this is I believe mm-hmm. that it is because of Tracy that uh, uh, Tony eventually killed Ralph. Like, do you do Without you doubt. do you remember that scene? Wait, wait, where, you know, this is something we should talk about. Here, let me see that because it probably went out. So listen, so like the thing that's crazy about that Ralph's demise, right? Payomai plays into it as well. So it's both Tony's guilt. But then also Tony's guilt because of his sociopathic behavior. You know what I mean? Like loving animals more than humans. You know what I mean? Like mixed with the rage of Tracy. I love but how it was, you made it that was connection. Weird. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like everything piled up on Tony, and it was like, but Piomai really was the fucking last straw because he killed because he knew Tracy cared about him. You know how he knew? Because she made him some fucking bread, <laughs> huh? He should have fucking no. ate the bread, huh? He should have fucking ate the bread. See, I agree with almost everything you said there. Uh, other than the fact that you didn't bring up, uh, he didn't care about her for that. He cared about her because he saw his daughter in her. And uh, you also said that Piomai was the reason behind Tony killing Ralph. Yeah. And that is the common theory, by the way. It's pretty much, excuse me, it's pretty much, you know, known, yeah. quote, to, you know, the fans. But I have a different take on it. And let me explain. Mm, tell me. Okay. So as Tony is killing Ralph, he has his hands around his neck. In that moment, Tony says to him, and, and he's choking him. He's, mm-hmm. His face is red. Can you picture it? He's over top yeah. of him. And he goes, you killed a beautiful, innocent creature. Mm-hmm. Now, the popular consensus is, you know, that creature is Piomai, right? And if you take that about, if you take that at face value, it's... You know, it's easy to understand why you think that. But I don't think that's the case. I think he was talking about Tracy. And uh, supporting this theory, by the way, is an Easter egg in this episode that most people don't notice. 
but at the and I want you to go back and watch yeah. it because at the very last blip before the episode ends the camera pans over to the wall and there's a picture of Tracy and it's the last thing you see right after the death is Tracy and on the refrigerator uh, on the wall on maybe the it is wall? maybe it is the refrigerator I'm gonna have to look that up, dude. Maybe it is there, and and I really think that that's the case. And then one other Tracy mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. is uh, uh, in the dream sequence with Annette Benning. Oh, yeah. How funny was that? Annette Benning randomly in the in the it's show. Great. She loved the, she loved the show so much that she got on there like that as herself. <laughs> but uh, one day's work. In that scene, it was originally filmed that uh, Meadow was replaced by Tracy. So in the dream sequence, mm-hmm. Tony looks to the left and it's Tracy. Oh wow! And it was filmed, and then they cut that from the original. But it's like uh, when in that one other episode when Tony oh, yeah. shuts the door and and Big Pussy, you see his image, and this is like two seasons after. Also, he's too, uh, in the original airing of the agent that foils Adriana, mm-hmm. it was played by uh, Feruza, the girl from The Craft. Who? And then she the, couldn't the, the one and all black that was like the leader? Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. You're so she me. so she films it, right? And then something happens with the contract where she can't come back next year yeah. to film this. So then HBO into continuity cut in that other actress playing her in that season's cliffhanger oh, ending. Yeah. It's like uh Back to the Future. Exactly. Stolfus. Stoltz. Stoltz. Stolfoods. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, But yeah, you know, I mean like the thing that's crazy too is like I mean I mean, like, there was never, an, like, we, we can't, like, celebrate 20 years. I mean, the fact, I mean, I, I've done a lot better with the fact that, you know, we don't know what happened. What, in the, and how it ends? Yeah. I mean, I still love it, though. Can, do, do you want to know what happens? He's dead, dude. <laughs> in my mind, he's dead. So, There's no other way around it. So let me tell you, and I'll be quick, because I know we got to wrap this up, but I, so, so here's the, could take yourself back to the scene, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the diner. It's it's AJ, uh, Tony, and yeah, the onion rings. I'm there with you. I'm there. By the way, can you listen to "Don't Stop Believing" anymore without no. thinking? Do you remember it? actually, Tone? I think we were actually when the the finale ended in 2008, right? And I met you in 2009, correct? Yes. So I mean, like, dude, do you remember Spamps at the end of the night when that song would come on? Yeah. It would be like wild spitfire, you know what I mean? Just like people losing their shit, dude. Yeah. yeah. So that was a lasting impact too. The fact that a song from a show, excuse me, could become popular. Yeah. Well, and do that. What I was gonna say, Bob, like if you go back to that scene, right? The mm-hmm. the members only guy comes in, the suspicious looking guy, yeah. right? The infamous one that we assume kills Tony, right? So. If, if you notice the scene, there's two perspectives. There's the scene where you're looking at Tony's face from kind of the top right. And then you hear a ring of the door. The perspective changes to mm-hmm. Tony's perspective. Mm-hmm. Now he can see the door. So that's telling you something. That's telling you a few things. Number one, the pure panic that Tony must live with every single day of his life. The pure panic. He could be getting whacked at any moment. He's got to look at everybody and everything. Remember when he almost got whacked with the orange juice? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, but uh, so it happens a few times. 
uh, the song's coming on, the tension's being built with it's getting louder, Meadow trying to parallel park. It's like the scene in, by the way, it's an Easter egg too. It's like the scene in Godfather mm-hmm. when Michael totally. kills the, uh, the, the police uh, detective and, and uh, the other, the other dude. But uh, so, so all this is happening. The buildup is happening. It's getting tense. The guy in the members only jacket walks to the bathroom mm-hmm. bell rings again from the door being opened it changes to tony's perspective now he's looking at the door and now we're seeing that through tony's eyes protective or excuse me uh perspective switch again now you're looking at tony's face blah 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 bell rings is it meadow we switch to tony's point of view looking at the door it's not Meadow. It's just a random person. He's looking around now. Some more time passes. You're noticing a young couple sitting off to the side. They're eating their French fries, laughing, looking off to the other couple. Meadow finally parallel parks. Now the perspective is on Tony's face. Mm-hmm. You hear the doorbell ring, and then it goes black. So, as I said, when that when that doorbell rings, your perspective moves into the first person and you're seeing through Tony's eyes. Yes. Bell final scene final second of the mm-hmm. final scene. Bell rings. It goes to Tony's perspective, but it's all black. Yeah. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. It's the same thing as Bobby Bacala. You know, he Bobby Bacala <laughs> told everybody it was gonna happen. Look, I mean we could talk about this pronouns all night. I don't want to get a ticket. You yeah. know, and it, it puts a limit on the show, but at the same time it was really awesome doing this with you dude because I've never seen anybody this prepared ever for any of the content any of the shows i've ever done dude i had thank you for saying that i've never done anything like this before yeah uh uh, and you were like a natural fucking jimmy olsen over there with ariel guy i'm glad i gave you the reins dude dude, you did a great job no that was that was awesome and it was just nice it was like Mm -hmm. we're sitting here having a conversation that's all it is that's all it is dude it's all weekly here on the bobcast okay do me a favor subscribe leave me a review do something you know help us out okay each week come in it's like therapy Ask for some more Tony, where we can start the day with masturbation and, you know, end the day with. All some right, surprise. I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you finish things tonight. <laughs> I'm going to give you my f- favorite quote of Tony, and then you give me your favorite quote of Tony if you haven't used it already. Okay. Okay. So here's mine. Let me tell you something. Nowadays, everybody's got to go to shrinks and counselors and go and Sally, Jesse, Raphael, and talk about the problems. What happened to Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type, that was an American? He wasn't in touch with his feelings. He just did what he had to do. See, what they didn't know was once they got Gary Cooper in touch with his feelings, that they wouldn't be able to shut him up. And then, it's dysfunction this and dysfunction that, and this dysfunction I fuck good. <laughs> that was when he was in with, with Melfi. Yeah, I love that. That was the first time he started talking about the strong silent type, and then he started continuing with it, you know? You know the what happened? Because like he was so in touch with his feelings, he's watching these films at late at night, eating ice cream, crying. You, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Stuff, you know what man. episode that's from? Yeah, that's from were, the Happy Wander. Yeah, from your favorite. How about uh, that? Isn't it? By the way, isn't it amazing how I know? Like, like yeah. I shouldn't know we, that. We should have a job doing this. <laughs> so, so I'll give you. You asked for the yeah. favorite Tony quote. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give it to you, right? And see if, after I'm done, tell me if you know mm-hmm. who he's talking to. Now you remember one thing, and you better hear. You want to talk all this old school bullshit about the about the rules? Well, here's a rule you might remember. I'm the motherfucking fucking one that calls the shots. And you better pay me the respect I gave your brother or we're going to have a problem. A bad one.
That's the best Tony Soprano. That's quote. Tony talking to the twin. Twin? What twin? Your brother? Who's he talking to right there? First of all, I want to know what twin. <laughs> there was twins, right? Like uh, his twin brother got shot. Remember? What was his name? Oh, uh, Beansy. No, not Beansy. Uh, Beansy's Beansy. the one down in Florida. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, Beansy was on there. Richie ran over. But, uh, uh, Richie he ran a, over. What's his nickname? He's got an awesome, he's got an awesome nickname. I know. Sometimes it happens around the show. I mean, there's so much content you could produce. But yeah, I do remember that line very well. I mean, all those lines that he delivered. And it's really cool to, like, to hear about how kind James was to Ariel and how, uh, you know, and that's the one thing, dude. It sounds like she's been through some some stuff, and and uh, she's ready to kind of right the wrong and and expose that and do more for 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 women, which is great, man. Like, you know, that's that's great stuff, and and we need more people like that that have a voice. But uh, the fact that she she had all those nice things to say about him, it like you know, I've lost how many years do we lose through? You know, Kevin Spacey, great actor, and uh, you know, R. Kel- no, I'm just kidding. He's uh, disgraced. <laughs> I was like, Skip, you see the news? But yeah, uh, it, is, it is it is harsh times. I mean, you should just always treat females with the most utmost respect, dude. Okay, they're yeah. the ones that give life. Why should we mess with the people who are in control with life? We should always be kind to everybody, including animals, dude. I saw some shit on the internet the other day. Some YouTube chick hitting a dog, dude. I hate seeing stuff like that, and it rages me. How, be kind. How do you even like do that? I don't even get my it. job. I got time to do it. Okay, I researched. No, the no, 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 not not you. I mean, like, huh. I mean, like as a person, how do you hit, like, just oh, beat the I shit out of no a dog? I have no idea. I mean, like, I just don't know, man. I mean, like, what Ariel was talking about, like, you know, people trying to, people don't really ride their rocket. You know, mm-hmm. they're just waiting on the ground, watching other people do things, and just. They never take a chance. Yeah. They're the ones who like go gather the gasoline for the rocket. You know what I mean? Well, and you got to figure a way around to helping them. You know, I was reading today too about also homeless hotels of the future. I think Kanye West is building some sort of new thing. We're going to talk about that next week on the Bobcast. But Tony, um, f- first of all, again, excellent job. Thank you. This epic two-hour podcast here was just yeah. you know amazing. I'm yeah. so glad we got a chance to do it. No flakes. Hashtag. <laughs> okay. My name's Bob. Tony Regal, the skip. Thank you very much for my fraternity years back there at the end of the 2000s, the beginning of the 2010s. Thank you for letting me getting engaged in the in-law suite. <laughs> and may Rambo rest in peace and yes, say uh, hello to your family for me, okay? Thanks, Bobby. I'll see Appreciate everybody this. next week. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of...